They, this is the first church ever in history in Jerusalem, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we're going to focus on verse 42. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. I want to read something to you. When I arrived at the church, I was armed with books and ideas on church growth, evangelism, and reaching our community. Unity was the last thing I was worried about. If someone had told me to slow down and focus on camaraderie and unity, I'd have chided them for their inward, even self-centered approach to ministry. We had a world to conquer. But it soon became painfully obvious that we were never going to change the world out there if we couldn't get along in here. Those are not my words. Those are the words of Larry Osborne, a pastor in San Diego. But when I read his words, they rang true to me. You know that Carrie's and my first call was to be missionaries, and so we brought to this place a missionary heart. You know that I have a passion for the mission of this church and the future of this church, and you know that people who are far from God hold a place of, hold a place of priority in my heart. And yet I know that without unity, that we will limp into the future That without unity, no matter how good our intentions, no no matter how big our mission, uh, we will never reach our potential. We're continuing this series on God launching the church. The first week we noted that God grew the church. He added to their number daily those who were being saved, meaning significantly, holistically, and eternally transformed. Last week we saw that God validated the church through signs and wonders or miracles. Today we we focus on the the truth that God united uh, the church. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now the rest of that paragraph says they they ate together in their homes. Uh, They sold things when they needed to to make sure everybody's needs in the church were met. But they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, you don't devote yourself to something that's easy. You devote yourself, yourself to things that are hard. For example, uh, my favorite ice cream has arrived in Huntsville. Graters, G-R-A-E-T-E-R apostrophe S. Paula Renfro, we were in a meeting one, uh, earlier in the week, and Paula just mentioned that Graters had come to Huntsville, and she saw me light up like a Christmas tree, and, and she's so sweet, and her husband's so sweet that evening, or the next evening, uh, they brought me some Grater's ice cream. I had ice cream that evening. I had ice cream for breakfast the next morning, <laughs> and I am not ashamed. <laughs> now, the ironic thing, see, I didn't have to devote myself to Grater's. It's just, it just comes naturally. The ironic thing is that I'm on a diet. I'm on a, um, I'm on a diet to get ready for football. I, you know, 
in just a little less than four weeks, I'll be running up and down the field, uh, refereeing high school football, and I'm trying to get down to my uh, gazelle weight. And so, um, <laughs> Carrie, Carrie is helping me out. But she's making me eat uh, things like kale. <laughs> you got to devote yourself to kale. Amen? Thank you. So I'm devoting myself to things like kale for, a, you know, for b- bigger purposes. They had, to, um, they had to devote themselves to fellowship because the fellowship wasn't easy. This, was a, this early church was somewhat a, a diverse church, not necessarily ethnically, but in terms of their worldviews, they were a, a diverse church. And their fellowship was tested twice. First, it was uh, tested over what we might call class or a sort of a caste system in the church. Some of them had grown up in Palestine, what we call the Holy Land today. Others had grown up outside Palestine. And the widows who had grown up outside Palestine were being treated differently than those who grew up locally. They took care of widows. They didn't have any way of providing for themselves. And so they had a food distribution program. And the widows who'd grown up outside Palestine were not being treated fairly. And it was a potential fracture in the church, but they, the leaders recognized it, so they, they called out some people to manage the church, to, to maintain the spirit of unity, and they, they chose unity over division. It was then challenged, their fellowship was challenged over race and culture. These, you know, the first church was Jerusalem, and then there were some people who migrated from Jerusalem to Antioch, and they, they did church differently. They, they planted a different kind of church and did different kinds of things, and and attracted different kinds of people. The list of leaders, the names of leaders in the book of Acts in the church of Antioch uh, reads like the, the role of our English as a second language ministry here. People from everywhere. Well, that caused a stir back in Jerusalem, and so they, they had a come to Jesus meeting. The story begins in Acts 11 and ends in Acts 15 with the Jerusalem council. After a heated discussion, finally James, the leader of the church, says this is how it's going to be. We're going to make sure that it's not hard for people who are not like us to become one of us. They chose unity. They chose unity. Today, though, the church with a capital C, by church I mean the international family of Christian believers, the church is fractured. We are not one. In many ways, we are fractured. We're fractured by race. Antioch from its beginning was a multi-ethnic church. Jerusalem became a multi-ethnic church. Jesus' call for a house of prayer for all nations and his great commission to go to Panta Ethne, every ethnic group, was becoming a beautiful reality. It would not be long until Paul would write to the church at Colossae. Here we have all kinds of folks, Gentile and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but we're all one in Christ Jesus. The early church uh, was a, was a multi-ethnic church. We've lost something along the way. You've heard it said, and it's sadly true, that that Sunday morning is the most segregated time in, uh, in America, and it's true. I, I long for churches that look more like Antioch and Jerusalem and Colossae. I, I, think that, I think it would honor God if we looked more like them. We're also divided, not only by race, we're divided by denomination. 
Depending on how you count, there are several hundred or several thousand denominations in North America, in the United States. Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, and several variants of those. We have our, of course, non-denominational and independent churches. There are our Greek Orthodox and Roman Catholic Christian brothers and sisters. We're, we're fractured by, by denominations. Truth is, we haven't always treated each other well as denominations. Back in the Middle Ages, there were wars, big wars, between Protestants and Catholics, between Calvinists and Lutherans. You know about the Troubles in in Ireland, infamously legendary, largely a conflict between Catholics and Protestants. We don't war anymore, but we aren't always kind to each other. We're not always charitable to each other. Sometimes we're like the disciples in Mark chapter 9 who said to Jesus, Jesus, we saw a man who was casting out demons in your name, but we told him to stop because he is not one of us. And Jesus said, whoa now, if he's not against us, he's for us. And then in John 10, Jesus said, I have sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Some, some Christians act like if, if you're not one of us, if you're not a sheep like we are sheep, if you have different wool or you bleat differently or you're, you don't have the same brand on, on, on the hind, their hindquarters as we have, that they're not real sheep. We, we would do well to remember that Jesus has sheep of other, of other pens. <clears throat> During World War II, uh, a French soldier was killed in France. His fellow soldiers wanted to give him a proper burial. There was a a Roman Catholic church nearby. So they took his body uh, to the church to have him buried in the church cemetery. They talked with the priest. They told him their desire to give him a proper burial. Could they bury him in the church cemetery? He asked them, uh, was he... A, a baptized a Roman Catholic, and they couldn't say, we, we don't know, they said. He said, I'm so sorry, but without that confirmation, I, I can't bury him. We can't bury him here within the fence. There was a fence around the cemetery. We cannot bury him in the cemetery. Well, they wanted to give him a proper burial the best they could, so they buried him just outside the fence. Next day, they came back They were about to move. They came back to check on his grave and could not find it. They walked around the perimeter of the fence. It just was not there. The priest came out and they said, sir, we we know it was here. There's no fresh ground here. He said, I felt so badly about not letting you bury your friend here that earlier this morning I came out and I, I moved the fence to to include him, to to incorporate him. Now, I know that that there's no fence big enough to include everybody. And I know that if we move the fence too far, then the fence means nothing. But, But maybe we can at least expand our hearts. Now, there are things that define us and distinguish us. I'm a Baptist by choice. That helps define and distinguish me from others. 
People have chosen to be Methodists and so on, but that doesn't mean we can't be charitable uh, to each other and make sure that we support each other. I think from the outside looking in, people look at, a, at, at the church universal, at Christians, and we're so divided. At least we can be, at least we can be kind to each other. Speak kindly uh, of each other. Know that there are sheep of other, of other pens. They didn't have denominations in Acts. So, we're divided today by, by race as they were not. We're divided by denomination as they were not. And, and, and that's, that's more global. But let me talk about what I would, I would consider the heart of my message this morning. And, and that is about unity in a, a particular congregation, in, a, in the local church. Now, I know that watching us today, there are a lot of people, a lot more people watching by television than there are in this room. So let me say that what I'm, what I'm talking about now is not just for this church, but for, for whatever your church is, if you're watching, then I think it's true for us all. Unity within a local church is not always easy. If you have been part of church for a while, then you probably have lived through a church squabble or two. And church squabbles can get ugly. And church hurt hurts worse because we are supposed to treat each other like Christians, and therefore the disappointment is even greater when we don't. Church unity has been particularly hard over the last two and a half years beginning March of 2020. Articles and books have poured off the presses, lamenting, describing the fracturing of local churches. The books and the articles tell about members who've left their churches over the disunity and ministers who've left their ministries over the disunity. It's been particularly hard, a, a really hard 28 months since March of 2020. Churches have not been immune to the, to the rancor, the incivility, uh, the division uh, that have rocked our society. We've been divided, not only in society, but in our churches, over masks, over vaccines, over do you open, do you not open, over politics, and over race. And there are a lot of churches that are hurting. It's been a tough 28 months. But it is time. It is time to move forward together. There's a time to speak our peace. There's a time to say, this is my conviction in the right tone, in the right spirit. There's a time to say, this is my conviction even if we disagree. And then there's a time to shake hands and hug necks and forgive and move forward together. Ecclesiastes 3 says there is a time. 
There's a time to tear down and, to, and a time to build. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to tear and a time to mend. Churches have had our time to tear down and scatter stones. It's time to rebuild and regather the stones. We've had our time of not embracing. It's time to embrace again. It's time to mend what might have been strained. Please understand me, there will be times that test our unity again. There will be hard conversations, hot topics, events beyond us will test our unity again. But whether we will survive that, that crisis, whatever it is, will depend largely on what we do now as to whether we, we choose unity again. And peace is not the ultimate goal for a church. Peace is a primary goal. Jesus prayed for unity. But churches that obsess over making everybody happy will never have hard and important conversations and will never make risky strategic decisions and they will die a slow, irrelevant death. Peace is not the ultimate goal for a church. But without it, the other goals don't get, don't get met. There is a time, even for fracturing, there is a time to say, these are my convictions, and, and for the stones to scatter. But there's a time to regather the stones, and it is time. In the fall of 2014, I was your interim preacher, and I was trying to get you ready for the real guy uh, who would come not knowing that I would eventually become your pastor. And I told you a story in the fall of 2018 that I thought would be good for you one day. Well, I want to tell it again, because it's that day. My first pastorate was the Lucas Grove Baptist Church, a wonderful little church in rural Kentucky. While I was there, we celebrated our 90th anniversary. This was 1986. The church was built, was founded, and the church house was built in 1896. I waited through the minutes to, uh, to find stories to tell on homecoming the day we were celebrating the anniversary, and I found one of my favorite. Jim Skaggs was writing as an adult, but he was looking back on 1896 when he was a boy in the Lucas Grove School. He said he was a, 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 a boy in that school. And by the way, the Lucas Grove School sat right next to where they were building the Lucas Grove Baptist Church. So Jim said, I, I sat there in school and I watched out the window as people came and built the church. I can hear his teacher now. Jim, quit looking out the window and pay attention to your multiplication tables. I'm sure his teacher said that. But Jim, like any little boy is tempted to do, sat there and watched them build. As an adult, he wrote about that, looking back to the day when he was a child. And he said, I watched people with gold hats and silver hats 
build the church without explanation. I wondered, what is he talking about? What's the big deal about gold and silver hats? So I found out, I don't know, before Google, I don't know how I found that out, but I looked it up in a book probably, and I, I learned that in 1896, the year that the church was founded, there was a bitter political division in the country. William McKinley was the Republican candidate. William, James Bryan, William Jennings Bryan was the de- Democratic candidate. And the big issue that year was whether gold or silver would be the basis, the standard for our U.S. currency. It was so bitter, it divided families, it broke up friendships, and people felt so strongly about that, they wore gold hats and silver hats so that nobody would have to question which side they were on. And so Jim, as a kid, must have heard the adults arguing about gold and silver because he thought it was a big deal that people with gold hats and silver hats were handing each other planks and hammering next to each other and sawing next to each other. I don't think I have to make application. I think you get the point. It is time. Whether you wear a gold hat or a silver hat or a red hat or a blue hat or no hat, It is time to move forward together. I do have a suggestion. Let's please leave our hats at home. But other than that, you get the point. Whatever your church, including this one, it is time.